0: And so today, what we're gonna talk about is how we are to function as a believer. And what this new connection with God through the Holy Spirit, what it means in our life and what it looks like, played out. The title of my message today is The Produce of the Spirit. The Produce of the Spirit. We live in a world that is on us to produce. We have to produce in the world that we live in. It is part of capitalism that we are to produce results in how we live our life. We are, as children, taught that we are to produce obedience, right? We're to produce obedience. It's why we discipline our children when they stray from that, right? We're to produce obedience as a child. As a child, as you get into grade school, you are called to produce good grades. It is why, I'm not going to tell you who, but one of my children are playing out a sentence of grounding because they did not maintain that fruit, right, that result. And so we are required to maintain good grades. Uh, As you get older and then you have a job, you are to produce a paycheck. Things go awry quickly when we aren't producing a paycheck, As we get older and we have children, our goal is to produce well-adjusted kids, right? That love us still, hopefully, but they are not dependent on us for survival. If something were to happen to us, they can go on. Well-adjusted kids to be a success in the world. As a man, and ladies in here as well, we are... Called to produce a certain level of success, aren't we? Right? Whatever success looks like for you, whatever metric you use, you want to be successful in your job, in your, uh, in your home. You want to be a success. And then as we even get older, our minds begin to shift to a different type of producing. Producing a legacy. How will we be remembered long after we're gone? The world's teaching is to invest hard work, to eventually get the results that you want or the world at least expects from you. This is what we're called to do. And when someone doesn't meet these high lofty standards of ours, we put them in one nice, neat little category. In Elmont, Alabama, we have a category that I would like to refer to as the bless their heart category. Bless their heart, right? Because that's the phrase that we can use that softens the blow to communicate what we really are trying to communicate, don't we? Right? We say cute little things like, bless their heart, they're just dumber than a soup sandwich. Right? That's a lick skillet expression. They're just as dumb as a soup sandwich. Right? They're just, they don't, they, they, they're, they're, they're just dumb. Right? Bless their heart. It softens the blow of, hey, man, you're not very intelligent. Right? Bless their heart. They're just as sorry as the day is long. Everybody. Anybody ever heard that? Yep, yeah, just as sorry as the day is long. Crowd participation is welcomed. All right, how about this? Bless their heart. They just can't help themselves, can they? Well, that one's a good one, right? Some of those have been formed into prayer requests that were really just gossiping about other people, right? Bless their heart. They just can't help themselves. How about this one? Bless their heart. They just don't have what it takes right? When we miss this standard of production that the world this arbitrary line, we put everybody in this bless their heart category, right? I remember as a a parent, I remember my kids. I remember before I was a parent, I remember looking at kids in Walmart and going, bless those parents' heart. My kids ain't going to act like that. Well, guess what? As I got older, you know what I realized? Bless my heart. Yes, they will, right? That's what I I realized. And, And so here's what happens, right? As believers, we are called to produce as well. The Bible calls it fruit. We are called to produce. But here's the danger. Here's the danger. If I'm not careful... I will take my 33 plus years of carefully crafted Western ideology of the pursuit of life, love, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and I'll apply that to my thinking of my pursuit of Christ. That if I am to produce fruit, I must do it on my power and in my own strength. I've got to produce more fruit. And so if God has called me to produce fruit, I've got to read my Bible for a certain amount of time. Right? I need to pray for a certain amount of time. I've got to increase that prayer. I need to serve this many people. I need to lead this many people to Christ, right? We begin to work on arbitrary metrics. And how about this? As a pastor, we can get into the trap of if I am to produce fruit, I need to lead a church of a certain size. We all deal with this standard. Here's the problem. Galatians 5 I learned in preschool the fruit of the spirit's not a coconut right anybody sing that song y'all know if you know you know fruit of the spirit's not a, not a coconut fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kind of goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control right galatians 5 tells us that these are the fruit of the spirit you know what's interesting about the fruit of the spirit i'm gonna shed some light on this dad joke right cooper uh here's the thing about the fruit of the spirit We are incapable of producing that in our own life. It don't matter how hard we try. You know what? To produce the spirit-led fruit in our life, we are all in the bless your heart category. Every single one of us. Bless our hearts. We can't do it. I can't generate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Self control, I can't generate those things on my own. It comes from another garden, right? There are certain fruits I can produce, but there's a certain, the fruit of the Spirit does not come from me. The problem with this line of reasoning is regardless of what we possess physically, spiritually, we are firmly planted in the bless their heart category. And this is why Christ came. The Holy Spirit would change the game for us so that we could then produce fruit of the Spirit ourselves being burdened in sin. This is what Christ did for us. And so what does it look like to bear spiritual fruit? Number one, God gives us in John chapter 15, Jesus' words to his disciples and a perfect picture of a vineyard perfect a beautiful picture of what it's like to produce fruit in our life and the first thing that he brings attention to is the branch john 15 verse starting in verse 1 i am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 1, John chapter 15. Jesus drops a truth bomb, a theological bomb on his disciples. What does he say? He calls himself the true vine throughout the Old Testament. The vine was symbolic of Israel. Israel was the blind, was the vine, and God would bless anybody who was connected to the vine, who was a friend of the vine, God would bless. And so Israel would be the channel of God's blessing, one day leading to Jesus. The problem was, Isaiah tells us that the fruit that Israel produced was not fruit of the Spirit. It was bad fruit. It was terrible fruit, so much so that The vineyard had to be completely destroyed. And then Jesus says, I am the true vine, not Israel. I am the true vine. Connection to me will lead to blessings in Christ. Connection with God's chosen people was how the blessings of God were to be experienced. The problem is Israel seldom produced good fruit. So a new vine was needed. Jesus would come and he tells his disciples, if you will bear, if you will be connected to me as the true vine, you will bear fruit. Then he identifies two types of branches. Number one is the branch without fruit. The branch without fruit, Scripture tells us, is taken away. Now, there are, other, there are other interpretations of this. You can look to Tony Evans for another alternate interpretation of this. I tend to disagree with Tony Evans. He's a lot smarter than me, and so he would probably win. Uh, but uh, I, I believe a little bit differently. I believe that this, in, this interpretation is telling us Of the removal, there are those that will appear to be connected with Christ. There are those that will warm church pews. There are those that will come to small groups. There are those that will be in men's and women's groups. There are those that will go on mission trips. There are those that look connected to Jesus. But they don't produce fruit. And the reason is because they're really not connected to Jesus. Whatever connection to Christ there is, is superficial. And they don't produce fruit. Right, And so what happens to those things? They are taken away. He doubles down. Look at verse 6. Jump down to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. What happens to the branches that don't bear fruit? They are thrown away and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Right? This is condemning. This is not good news. Suffice to say, regardless of your interpretation of this passage, it suffice to say, it is not a good thing to be a branch not bearing fruit. You are not truly connected to the vine. But then there's another branch, right? There's a branch that produces fruit that is pruned to bear more fruit. My mom, who has a a significant green thumb... Uh, I will see her in the mornings when I was growing up go out and she would begin deadheading all of her plants. Those of you that are gardeners know what that is, right? All of the blooms, all of the fruit that is not good, they pluck off so that more attention can be given to the blooms and what grows in its place is more beautiful and is not dead, right? And so even the branches that are Bearing fruit, they are pruned to bear more fruit, right? To produce greater fruit in their lives, right? And so all the branches associate with godly things. However, the lack of production of fruit insists that they are not truly connected to the vine. And so the branch with fruit then is even pruned, right? That if we will remain in Christ, though not everything is comfortable, If we will endure the refining fire, the end result for us is that we will produce greater fruit if we remain in him. But if we take this passage out of context, we are tempted to place all the emphasis on fruit. I need to bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. I need to do, 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 do. I need to do this or I need to do that. I need to say this or I need to say that. I need to go here or I need to go there. This is not the point of John chapter 15. Seven times he says the words fruit. Seven times in this immediate context he says fruit. But here's the thing. This passage is not about bearing fruit. This passage as it relates to us is about the branches. Why? Because he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So what is the goal of the branches? To say to bear fruit is to miss the point. It is the farmer's job, in your, in your notes, it is the farmer's business to produce. The farmer's business is production. Why does a farmer prune? Why does a farmer cut away? He does those things in order to get a harvest, right? He has a purpose in mind. And so it is the farmer's job to produce. It is the branch's job to stay connected. It is the branch's business to be connected, connection with the vine. We will produce fruit in as much as we are connected in the vine. And so it doesn't matter how hard we try, church. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control are always going to elude us because we can't do it on our own. I'll give you an example. If you live in the village, you know this. These things are awful You live in a place that's full of pine trees That's all nice and good until any breeze blows Or any cold comes Or any rain falls Or any kid decides to play Tarzan, right? These things are everywhere And so we make a constant effort in our house To when we do fire pits We go and we get all of these branches That have fallen over time We burn them We may or may not roast marshmallows over them, but why? Because if we don't, they're just going to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. You know what we never do? We never replant a branch and say, maybe one day a pine cone will burst forth, right? Why? The days of producing fruit for this branch are done. Why? It's separated from the tree. It's separated from the tree, and because it is separated from the tree, we know that it is powerless to produce fruit in and of itself. So what is the point? The point for the branch, the point for us. If he is the vine, we are the branches. The point is not for us to bear fruit. It is to remain connected to the vine. It is your connection with Christ that makes the difference in your life not your ability to try harder or be better. And so here's what I wanna do. This is unorthodox, I get it. A good Baptist message ends with an invitation, right? We're gonna do it right here midstream, all right? Here's why. If you don't have a relationship with Christ in this room, you're the most important person. And anything else we talk about is null and void if you are not connected to the vine. And so I wanna address that and I wanna address it right now. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Right now, I want to talk about the connection that we can have with Jesus. It's not about all the things that you could do. It is about resting in the finished work of Christ. Jesus died. He rose again so that you could have life with him forever in heaven. And so if you're here and you don't have that connection with Jesus, you don't have that relationship, I want to give you the opportunity to respond. Respond. Before we go further, I want you to respond to the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not asking if you've ever checked a box. I'm not asking if you've ever prayed a prayer or walked an aisle, raised a hand, gotten emotional at an altar. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about right now. Look inside. Look at your life. Are you connected with Jesus right now? My friend, if you're not, I would invite you to begin a relationship with Him. Connecting yourself to the hope and the life that is found in Jesus Christ. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior in the moment, when I say amen, I want to call you to a response. I'll be here at the front. Would love to to talk with you. Love to uh, get you to a counselor that would love to talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus. But we got to start here. we got to start here. And so if you need Christ today as your Lord and Savior and you recognize that you are not in connection with Him. You've never confessed your sins to Him. You've never surrendered your life to His Lordship. If you've never done that, today is the opportunity for you to be saved. Right now in the middle of this message. So in just a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to sing. I would invite you to come. Father, have your will and way in this time of invitation. May we sing, may we worship, but God, may we respond as you've called us. I pray for the one that's walking disconnected from you. God, I pray that you, through your grace, have pursued them, have brought them here to this moment, and they would make the decision to follow you as Lord and Savior. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing? If you need to respond today, you need to receive Christ as your Savior. Would you come as we sing? I hear the Savior say, Thy strength Don't put it off. Is small, would you come? No matter what anyone else says, would pray, you come finding? Paid it all all to him. I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He wasted white as snow. I need to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. I need to make a decision for Christ. Would you come? Would you come? Lord, now indeed I find. Christmas. Pray that you would continue to move on our hearts and our lives. I pray for the one, for whatever reason, didn't respond to you. I pray that you, Lord, would continue to move, continue to convict. And God, we thank you for the life change that is found in you. It's not of ourself, but it's in your finished work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Point two. Point two. Here's why we do it. Literally. If you don't have that connection with Christ, nothing I say today will make any sense to you. It won't. Because we begin with that baseline. And so we move forward from there. We see our powerlessness as the branch, but look secondly at the vine. John 15 verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, church, Nothing. nothing. Do we believe that? Do I believe that? I don't know that I do. Do I truly believe that nothing I do is worth a hill of beans outside of my connection with Jesus? Because let me tell you, church, whether I say I believe it or not, my life is lived differently than that. My life is not lived. The priorities of my days are not spent thinking that apart from him I can do nothing. We are called to abide. In him. While fruit is an important word in our text today, seven times in the immediate context, there is one more word that is more important. It's the word abide. And abide, this word abide, mino in the Greek language means to continue or to stay or to reside, right? It's like the difference between dating somebody and then marrying them and living in the same house, Right? Funny how you find out more about people when they don't have to put on the dog for a couple hours. That's another lick skillet expression. They ain't got to put on the dog for a little bit. And then they can go back to who they actually are. You're living with them. So you get the full picture. That was an appropriate time not to say amen. So very good. Y'all passed. Here's the thing. When we abide in Christ, right, we are to remain in him. You know, what's amazing about that is every time we see the word abide, you know, we also see the word in. Abide in me, not with me. Remember, Jesus is changing this. It's not about followers being where I'm at. Now it is about me being in the followers. It is about me taking up residence, abiding with my followers. So we are to, they are, he is to abide in us. Jeremiah 31, right? What did Jeremiah prophesy? One day I will write the law on their hearts, not outside their hearts on tablets of stone. I will write it in them. One day I will I will put my spirit Ezekiel chapter 37. I will put my spirit within them, not outside them coming upon them at times like Samson and some of these others, but I will put my spirit into them and it will abide with them. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. Abide in me. You know it's amazing. The word abide in the book of John 11 times in this passage. In the book of John it appears 40 times, 40 times John uses this word abide. Perhaps even more significantly, in 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, the epistles that he writes, we find it 27 times. How did John refer to himself in the Gospels? In his Gospel, how did he refer to himself? The disciple who Jesus loved. I believe that John understood the importance of not just being with Jesus, but what the Holy Spirit enables us to do to abide in Christ. But what does this look like? right? We know the Holy Spirit is the one that enables, enlightens, and emboldens us to do that. But what does that look like practically in our life? Turn to Luke chapter 10, I believe we find it. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. A very familiar passage of Scripture, familiar in many ways, right? But listen to what Mary and Martha, how differently they responded to Jesus. Luke 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. She was what? Distracted. Now hold up. Distracted with what? Serving. The greatest among you, Jesus said. Will be your servant. Yet Mary. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Listen to this. And she went up to him and said. Lord do you not care. That my sister has left me to serve alone. Classic sibling move. Right. Jesus. Tell Mary to get her tail up. Right. Tell her then to help me. And if you hear no other word. Hear this. But The Lord answered her. Martha Martha Not only do you hear his compassion for her like hey you just aren't getting this but you hear the teacher ready to explain to her what is the most important thing listen to what he says Martha Martha you are anxious and troubled about many things y'all You troubled about anything in here? You troubled about the state of the world? You troubled about the world your kids will grow up in? You troubled about how you're going to make ends meet with these gas prices? You troubled about burning the candle at both ends? Martha, you are troubled about many things. Look what she says next. But one thing is necessary. One thing, I love what the NIV says, one thing is needed. One thing. One thing. Can you imagine if somebody told you when you first started out as a Christian, hey, listen, don't worry about all the details and all the overwhelming things that people tell you you have to do to become a Christian. The one thing. One thing you only got to do one thing. Well, shoot. Sign me up. My whole life I'm doing a billion things. One thing? Sure. One thing is needed. And doing all the stuff for Jesus, Martha missed Jesus. What did it say? Mary has chosen the good portion. She's chosen the one thing. You've chosen all the periphery stuff that I could have handled under my own power. I read this in my quiet time this week. And I want to read to you what my journal entry looked like that day believe it was Tuesday. See if this doesn't put in perspective for me and you. What could Martha have needed to do that was more important than taking Jesus in? Just being with Jesus. More practically, what need was she delusional enough to think she could address that Christ could not have more efficiently and completely met? What food... What was the family recipe that she was trying to make that would have satisfied more than the bread of life that was there meeting in her home? What drink could she have prepared that would have provided more refreshment than the fountain of living water? What space could In her home, could she have been trying to clean up real quick before Jesus got serious about stuff that the master could not, the purifier of her heart, could not have instantly made spotless? Jesus possessed all of that power, proven in his very nature. So then I made a turn and I began to think about myself. What about me as pastor? What are things that I do like Martha that I need to trust God for. I'm concerned. I'm troubled about a lot of things like leading the church that God has called me to lead. What leadership could I, could, ever, could I ever hope to bring to the table that the king of all kings. You know the king that leads the kings. If the kings have resume to lead. The king of all kings, Dern Tootin has, has the resume to lead. What leadership could I ever hope to bring to the table that the king of all kings would not be more qualified to bring. What wise words could I ever offer someone that have not already been uttered by the wonderful counselor? What vision? That's a concern of mine. Where are we going as a church? What are we gonna do? What does the next five, 10, 15, 20 years look like for Lindsay Lane North? What vision could I ever cast for this church that the Alpha and the Omega has not already seen but has preordained to happen? What sermon? Could I possibly preach that the word made flesh has not only spoken on, but has perfectly lived out as well? What act of service in our community could I complete that would touch what the suffering servant has already seen into completion? What semblance Or standard of good could I possibly muster that a holy, not a good God, a holy God, meaning good to its maximum, right, to an undiscernible, unimaginable maximum, a holy God has not already achieved. No, guys, if we think about this, the only fruit worth producing will come from his vine, not our branch. Not from us. But what about you? What is it that troubles you? What is it that you struggle with? What wealth could you accumulate that the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills the cattle are on, my old preacher used to remind me, that he could not provide for you? He is our provider. It is in his nature. What fame, what fame or a claim could we ever hope to acquire that the famous one of heaven has not already surpassed? What power, what power could we ever hope to wield, right? That the God of heaven's armies has already surpassed? What care could you possibly provide? For your kids, what's watch care over your kids? What safety could you give to your kids or your loved ones that the Holy Father who has counted the number of hairs on their head could not do for you? Why do we think we can't trust him with that? He is our heavenly Father. And he loves us completely. What love could you show anyone That the lover of your soul has not already exemplified. What could you demonstrate in your marriage. That the God of covenant has not already demonstrated. What future could you create for yourself. That the one who can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. Not make brighter. And what could you achieve on your own power. That the crucified Christ has not already achieved for me and for you. No church It is abundantly clear that if we are to see fruit that is worth anything in our life, it's not going to come because we work real hard. There is no pulling up of your bootstraps that will ever get you to Christlikeness. If you are to bear fruit, it's not going to come from you. It's going to come from his vine. It's the farmer's job to produce fruit In our lives, it is our job to remain connected to the one that is the source of that. For this is abundantly clear that the only fruit worth my time to produce will come from the true vine and not my branch. The vine alone is sufficient to meet every one of my needs and the only hope of satisfaction in my soul. If I'm ever to be satisfied, it will come through a relationship with Christ. Listen, I want to read you this commentary that I think is beautiful. So what does it mean to abide in him? To abide simply means, it simply suggests an effortless resting in the Lord. Okay, Alan. Bill's got to get paid. Yep. They sure do. Got to get paid. Okay, Alan, the kids have to be watched, career has to be maintained. All of these things have to happen. But if it does not come from a place of rest in who Jesus is, it will always be insufficient. Always. It'll never measure up. You'll never measure up. To abide seems to suggest an effortless resting in the Lord. Confident in the promised union between the vine and the branches. My job then is to remain in My job is to worship him. Guess what, y'all? We don't have to do what's already been done. Jesus did it all. We just sang it. Jesus paid it all. Do we believe that? If we believe that, if he paid it all, then guess what? We're off the hook if we will be connected to him. If we will but be connected to the vine, God will produce the fruit necessary in our life. Unfortunately, the church is God's plan, in your notes, to cultivate worshipers of God, not just workers for God. The church is God's plan to cultivate worshipers of God, not just workers for God. And so let's look finally at the fruit. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you... Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. You know how we experience prayer that works? We abide in Him. And when we abide in Him, it's amazing how God changes our hearts for all the things that we thought were so important our heart begins to transform. When we read God's word out of our affection and love for him, not out of our obligation because it's the demand that is placed upon us. Good Christians read their Bibles. When we recognize it for what it is, we do it out of gratitude. We do it out of a thankful heart. We worship God rather than just do things for God. To understand this is to understand that a quiet time is the, in the Word is not just a spiritual activity in your day, but a time when we crawl up in our Father's lap. We hear a word from him. Do we see that when we sit down at the dinner table and say, God, I want you to speak to me? Like, do we we recognize that as crawling up into his lap to be intimate with him, to hear a word especially for us from him? To understand this is to refuse to limit prayer to the time to get God to rubber stamp all the plans that you've already made for your day, but as a time to tap into the Holy Spirit's divine agenda for your life. No, no, no. God, I don't want what I want with today. Lead me. Lead me. And it's amazing how every one of the needs will be met. What does he say? My father's glorified that you bear fruit and you prove to be my disciples. In your notes, the great fruit of our life is Christ-likeness. That's the fruit we produce. christ likeness and if the great fruit of our life is christ likeness then the great source of our life must be christ this is not rocket science but it is mind-blowing what did jesus say at the very beginning i am the vine so what is the vine going to produce well let me say it another way what's the trunk of an apple tree going to produce on the branch of the apple tree Apples, right? So if Christ is the vine, what is going to be produced in the branch? Christ likeness. Those things, those attributes, the nature of Christ that we cannot produce in and of ourselves. And by the way, this is exactly what happened in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit was a game changer for the church, a game changer. So much so that after Jesus died, all of these people started acting so much like Jesus, they had to change their name. Like the people that were trying to make fun of them were like, gosh, who is this group of people that act so much like Jesus? Like we killed Jesus and now there's a Entire tribe, an entire group, of following of people that look just like Jesus. They bear nature that is not like what we bear. They have power that is not like what we have. They have produce in their life. They have fruit in their life that we don't have. Well, gosh, man, I don't know what else to call them but Christians. Little bitty Christ running around. they just little Jesuses. That's all they are. You know how that happened? Through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, through their connection with Christ that began on on Pentecost, led them. They abided in Him. Their principal job was not to lead a bunch of people to Christ, to plant a bunch of churches, was not to, to meet a bunch of needs. The one thing that was needed, abide. So here's how I want to conclude our service. This is a time of response. But it's a very different type of response. Now listen, if God is still moved in your life and you desire to have a relationship with him and you do not have that connection and God has just been on you all sermon you have the opportunity to respond. We've got counselors that are still here would love to talk to you. I'd love to talk to you about how you can know Christ as your Lord and Savior. But today, I wanna give you a time to abide in Jesus. Rest, a effortless rest, abiding in the fact that he is your father, abiding in the fact that he can meet all of your needs. And we're just gonna have a time where we can worship him. And so it's gonna be unscripted. Maybe it looks like standing to your feet and singing. Maybe it looks like bowing down and making your altar your seat. Maybe it looks like coming to this altar and praying. Whatever it looks like, I pray that you would respond as the Spirit leads. Worship God truly and completely in this time. Worship Him. Be with Him draw near to him would we worship him today father be glorified in our worship may we abide in you we love you we thank you for what you have done for us forgive us where we've made it about us God let us just draw in to the one let us be connected Lord, we love you and we praise you.